Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 220 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we'll be discussing the fallout from UFC 283, and basically, a hodgepodge of other topics. And we've decided that going forward, we're going to try and just fly by the seat of our pants and see how things fly when we just pick and choose whatever we see in the headlines or on Twitter or whatever. We've decided to have a little fun with it. Victor, what do you think of that? I don't think that I'm going to say no to a challenge like that. And how much of a challenge can it really be when, seriously, I mean, that's when we're at our best, when we improvise. That's right. That's right. So today, focus of our topics are basically going to be on UFC 283 because it was one hell of a card, a great way to kick off the pay-per-view season. I don't know that it drew a lot of buys, but for the hardcores, that was a great card. Would you agree? I get, you know, I'm a little conflicted about that. I, I mean, I guess I don't, there was an element of something missing for me and I'm not quite sure what it was. I don't know if it had to do with the disappointment of seeing some of the older guys get mm. dusted the way they did. Uh, I don't know if it had to do with maybe the um, the caliber of some of the matchups. You know, the fact that this has been um, essentially you're, you're being sold a bill of goods off the back of contender series contestants. And, um, you know, not always the most refined talents, unfortunately, which means that, you know, you're, you're, you're selling me this as a a high caliber experience which is something that we're not this is not new to us you understand i i don't i don't really i'm not complaining about this is this is not my first barbecue all right i know this is the business model i know this is the structure i understand why financially it happens in the way it does um i just there was just something about it that didn't feel you know quite as big time i guess and if you're charging someone a premium for a product like this, for this particular, you know, for the names and everything they put on, I mean, I'm not saying there weren't any good moments and some good fights there were, but I don't know. Maybe I'm also spoiled from some of the other uh, more recent amazing events. Maybe it's that. I think it's a combination of everything. What I liked most about this card was the undercard. The undercard was phenomenal. Man, there were some great finishes in there. I agree with you 100% on the main card. I mean, we just watched number seven, a contender series guy, become the light heavyweight champion. That tells you the shambles that that division is currently in. It really does. Well, I mean, yes, and, and in a way, no, like in the sense that it is chaotic enough and it is a structurally weak enough division that you can come in as a relative outsider and you know, not only do damage, but yes, you can, which it can be exciting to see that kind of unpredictability. Uh, whenever a dominant champion loses, for example, when Anderson Silva lost in middle, it was wide open. That was pretty thrilling. When Burrell got wiped out, that was pretty thrilling. So it, it that can be a thing, but I don't see as much of that optimism with Jamal Hill because it's such a mishmash at the top and it's been such a historically bad division. Jamal Hill, not a bad fighter, clearly not. He's champion for a reason. He fought a good fight, but he's sloppy too. 
He's, this man is not a finished product, which is a good thing because it means that there's more space and time for his development and expansion. But you don't want to see that at a guy who's at a heavyweight or, or uh, at a, um, a top contender level, you know, much less when when they're actually holding the belt. Like this dude needs more seasoning, not in the sense that like, no, we haven't seen enough of his raw potential, but more like, no, this dude has a lot of work ahead of him. And whoever comes in next, like he, he's looking pretty vulnerable right now. You just made all my points, though. You said yes and no, but there was really no no in your argument. You agreed with everything I said. So where is the no? I just I don't know if it's again, you just man. want to be contrarian. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm really not. I guess but it's I don't just, understand uh, where the no is because you literally agreed with every point I made, but you started with saying yes and no, but there was no no in there. You agreed with all my points. I think it has to do with the fact that I said number seven. Yeah, but the, here's the problem I have with that. We had number seven in there fighting. Because the division as a whole is in shambles. Number seven shouldn't have been in there because remember how we got here because of the craziness of the Ankalaya fight. So that is the shambles I'm referring to. The, the shambles that saw number seven catapulted into this spot. Right. But some of that is also a testament to his just you know, freak ability and his preparation is too. Though, you know, he fought or smart. Is it, is it though, or was it knee jerk reaction of Dana White literally 10 minutes after that crazy decision just goes and announces this fight to make up for that within minutes? There was no <laughs> thought, no rhyme, or no reason put into that. There was no, oh, you know what? Jamal Hill is such a badass. He deserves it. What it came down to was Jamal Hill is available. <laughs> and he's within the top 10. That's what yeah. it came down to. And that is the shambles I'm referring to. I don't no, have a problem with right. number seven being there. What I have a problem with is the way that number seven was catapulted there in the first place. No, that, that makes perfect sense. You're absolutely right. But I, I and, and in that, in saying that though, I, absolutely want to leave it open for any no that you have but i just want to make sure that i'm um expressing properly to you why i said that i I think that's the end of my insolence i think (laughs) (laughs) you weren't being insolent i like that you often pose a counter to me it's a good counter but unfortunately Mm -hmm. in this particular scenario i didn't i don't think i communicated myself well Now, the other thing with this fight was that I think we were all so heavily rooting for Glover because you know what? It's not just about rooting against the guy that said some vile shit in the lead up on Twitter about an entirely different scenario. I think we were rooting for Glover because Glover's 43. He's a super nice guy. He's a miracle in having won that belt after the age of 40 in the first place. He's a miracle in that he gave Yuri Prohaska such a feared striker such an incredible fight he almost won that fight so we were all rooting for glover because of what an awesome human he is and what a great story behind him it wasn't solely about the things that jamal hill said 
about that other scenario. I agree. I agree on that front. And especially when you look at the fact that, oh, my God, can you do it again? Mm. You know, he got over the hump. Yeah. And as you said, right, it, it is something of a miracle that a guy his age who's been in this game for so long, he was out of the UFC and, and, and out of uh, reach for achieving greatness for the longest time because mm. of his visa troubles. Yeah. And when he finally made it and he was able to sort himself out, what does he do? He builds himself a great team in Connecticut. He, he, he starts to... Uh, Really, you know, after the door had been essentially slammed on him for some of his recent some of his losses, he rallies and makes his way to the top. He wins. He ends up losing the belt, sure, but then he gets into this matchup. And I, I will also, I, I think this needs to be stressed even more. Um, he was still in it. I mean, there he was taking a real shit kicking, but he was still giving Jamal fits. Yeah, I didn't expect that. Yeah, and that fifth round takedown, man, I was really, really, I mean, I had every candle out. I was praying to gods that I know I made up in my head. I I mean, I said my prayer on Twitter to Jobu before this thing started, you know, uh, time to wake the bats. You were, you were doing being, like Pacquiao's mom. You were putting the root on the dude, right? No, no. I, when I, you know, from Major League, have you seen oh, that movie? Okay. He, the the guy, he always prayed to to Jobu. And, yeah, I was okay. I was thinking yeah. Jobu from uh, no, no, everything, everywhere, all at once for a minute. You had me confused for a second. No, no, like, just from a Major League, that yeah, cracked me up. And he would pray to Jobu, and he would say, "It's time to wake the bats." And for mm. me, the bats are, you know lover's fists so mm-hmm. uh, you know i i posted that up and it was it was such a letdown but mainly because i was really wanting that miracle to happen again it was just such a confusing performance too in a way because it's like he kept getting out boxed rather soundly as the thing kept going yeah and i'm like well you got more tricks in your tank dude what why isn't any of this clicking but it could be a stylistic thing. And again, you know, maybe, as I always say, dudes get figured out all the time. Maybe Hill and his coaches, they saw what was happening. You know, you saw how easily he was able to slip and duck back and all that. Like, man, shit. He didn't look bad on the ground either. I think yeah. people assumed that he was just going to get mauled down there. But he, there, there are some things that we need to address about Jamal. And one of those is he's a tremendous athlete. Mm-hmm. He has and, and speed. Yeah. He has power. And you know what? He has um, a calm about him because he didn't panic when he got on the ground. And even the times when Glover did manage to get him with something or whatever, he never panicked, you know, opened up the, the cut under him. And he seemed to have a great deal of respect for Glover, especially in the end when the, the clock was ticking down and he was just basically staying out of the way. And that's, you know, he didn't have to put any more damage on Glover. And so I, I guess it was nice to see that he didn't do that. And yeah. referring to that other incident where that he said the horrible things, I am in no way excusing those things that he said. What I am doing is laser focusing on his performance only, and it was good. And if we are to look at that performance in a line, in progression from all of his other performances, the dude just keeps getting better. And if he fights Yuri, and Yuri fights the way he fought Glover Teixeira or the way that he, even the way he fought Vulcan Uzdemir. Because remember, Vulcan Uzdemir staggered the shit out of him. He mm. landed a big win on him. 
He's willing yeah. to take way too much damage. And Jamal Hill is getting so good so fast that I think that Jamal beats Yuri if they fight this year. He might. Mm-hmm. That's a, I mean, that's, he has all the tools. Think about it. Before you that's say That's one to think about. Yeah. yeah I, mm, that, that's... I, it could happen, maybe. Yeah, because think about it real quick. How does Yuri fight? He literally leads with his face. He has not much defense to speak of. He is willing, because he's got that warrior Bushido way about him, he is willing to go in there and take a beating to land one big one. And that is the problem with him. He takes a beating too often, or he takes huge shots. He thinks he can walk through them. It could be. I mean, I... mm. That, because that's a, Jamal Hill ain't going to give up. No, no, he's not. He's not going to crack under that kind of pressure. And, you know, again, more more evidence of how smart that performance was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hill immediately early going to the body, mm-hmm. knees, kicks, knees, kicks. And Glover didn't seem to have any answer for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seemed very surprising to me that just, you know, it, it, this is what we're going to do. This is just how it's going to continue. And he made the most of it, man. He kept trying to crumple him. And you saw that it was affecting him as the fight went on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just, again, it all credit to him for that. You know, all the other things. Yeah, sure. They're a concern. They're a problem. But that's that's more of, um, you know, that that's more of a personal development thing. Let's hope that eventually he uh, sees reason and understands that this yeah. is not a matter of cancel culture or haterism. It's like, no, dude, you were wrong for saying that right. shit and for believing that. And I would hope that he's not embroiled in any situation in which that's put to the test, uh, leading to him having some sort of unfortunate circumstances like John Jones. Yeah, and I, I don't want to put that out there in, into the uh, into the room either. Um, he has six children, and they all seem to be well taken care of. I haven't heard anything uh, about some scenario like that, so I'm going to choose to believe that it has not happened. I just think that a little experience in in the world might change things. His circumstances are greatly changing as we speak from fight to fight. He's in a much better financial place. I, I mean, I, I've, I've heard his story and where he came from, working in the factory and just, you know, he just pulled himself up by his bootstraps and that's commendable. I, you know, I have no problem with that. I just have a problem with his basic views on the, the Dana White domestic violence situation, but I like what I saw in the cage. I'm still stuck on this whole, how many kids you Five kids, six, six kids, six children. Hey, Ron, in this economy, <laughs> Jesus, that's an. Uh, you know what? But you know what? You know what? Good for him. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he's got. He's surrounded by by so much love. He's, uh, you know, he's 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 got that with him, and uh, you know, solidarity with all dads everywhere. But now he's in a situation where he's done the absolute best. He has reached the pinnacle of the sport, which means one thing: he can now beg for money by boxing. <laughs> exactly. Yuri put up a video and said, you know, Jamal Hill, I'm coming, I'm coming for you. And <laughs> I hope he's coming with a better game plan. I really do. Because Yuri <laughs> needs to focus a little more on technique and less on Bushido. You know? Um, that warrior I... way shit doesn't always win in the cage. 
Mm, I I just hope that he said it. I'm just imagining him saying it the way Booker T did in that infamous promo. And I just <laughs> tell me how he said it, and I'll tell you. No. <laughs> because he said Jamal, I'm coming like that. Mm, yeah, see that 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 don't sound right, man. That's just. I mean, I'm not a fan of the whole no homo culture, but. I, you, you, you know, that just, that's rife for all sorts of parody that you don't want to invite that energy, buddy. Don't do that. <laughs> and he, he is somewhere where it's snowing and he's out in the snow in a t-shirt, a black t-shirt. <laughs> and he has a shaved head that's just freshly growing in. So he's got the little Chia pet thing going and his <laughs> beard and he's holding the camera up, you know, my space angle. <laughs> and he's talking into the camera like that. So he's clearly out there trying to look menacing in the freezing cold weather in a t-shirt. So that is uh, what we have there. <laughs> we don't need to do this. Like we've been down the road before, man. We, we, like we ain't got it. Oh Jesus! It's All right, cute, like though. we know it's cold. You don't have to show your tough. Dude, do it in front of a fireplace. I promise you, we will process it the same way. You know, it would have been amazing if he had a bearskin rug and he was over there in a onesie, a pink onesie or something, with his little top knot, and was in the George Costanza pose. You know, the one where they took the the professional photograph, and he's doing that one pose like he's doing the um the exercise where you run in place on the ground. <laughs> he looks like he's doing those. <laughs> Anyways, that would have been great if Yuri had called him out from a bearskin rug in a pink onesie like that. Yeah, he's like face down, bare naked with the with the. Uh, oh my lord! You know, you know the you know the pose, the girly pose with his yeah. hands under his chin. Oh yes! He's like, yeah, fight me if you dare! Like, damn, this this got erotic real quick, bro. What happened? <laughs> Holy shit! That's I mean that is a bold and innovative thing that we need to see more of. That's that's I always say that. You know, when homophobes talk about MMA is too gay, I always say it's not gay enough. Never and gay this, enough. Never it is never. Enough. Absolutely not. Now we're going to move on to the co-main event. Brandon Marino defeating Davison Figueredo. And I'm glad the trilogy is over. But these two always... They put on a great fight. Even the mm. way this ended, I'm sorry for Davison. I'm glad he's moving up. Uh, he was a little dramatic with the leaving the gloves like he was actually retiring. But, um, I mean, fair play. You know, they, they, at first everybody was concerned that it was an eye poke, but it wasn't. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I feel like Marino was winning this pretty handily. What, I mean, was I seeing the same fight you were? I know I was I, I was thinking at first it definitely the first round uh, the third round I think I gave it to him um, it, it's a really this was a, a bit of a the fact that it was such a close fight mm. uh, made this a little more difficult here but you know look if Davison was going to move up I'm glad Brandon won they're both exceptional talents it's great to see that they were both still at this point um, such great foils for each other right such uh, such talented rivals that were able to put on a series of fights that frankly nobody could complain about. These guys are just like made to fight each other. And yeah, yeah. You know, we've said it many times that if these guys had to fight each other 30, 40 times, yeah, we'd be there and watch. I mean, until one of them just looked washed. <laughs> it just seemed like, yeah, these guys are incapable of having a bad fight. And um, yeah, it, it's it's a little it's a little sad to see uh, uh 
to see Davison go, but at the same time, you gotta let it. You gotta let it go, man. If his weight cuts were being that brutal, you can't do this long term. You know, you gotta let this thing. You, you gotta be smart about it. And um, I, yeah, this this was this was good. This was, I guess, in in a way, like the most proper way for this whole situation to end. And uh, I'm I'm happy for Brandon. He did it in enemy territory, and uh, yeah, he's he's got his future secured. And not only that, but this does, I believe, take a great deal of the James Krause stink off of him. Yeah. Like you, you're not going to hear too much talk about that from here on in, at least for a good while. The only problem with this whole quadrilogy is that Davison Figueroa burned up two of the last remaining prime years of his life on this quadrilogy fighting the same guy. So now here he is going to move up into the most killerist division of them all. And yes, I invented that word killerist. Oh, it's a good word. I like that. It's, word. Let's keep it's that. Seriously. The deepest division in the entire roster. He's going to move into bantamweight at 35. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, you know? that's a. I mean, yeah. we're, we'll just look at the top, the top of that division because you can't bring a former champion in and have him fighting the bottom of the top fifteen. You put him immediately that top seven guys. That's where Davidson Fioreto. That's where he needs to be because that's what his name and probably his purse requires. Mm-hmm. And that's man, that's a murderer's row over there. I mean, he's down for it, and I don't doubt he can hang, but it's it's going to be – I don't know if he realizes it. Uh, and I'm sure a guy like that, super competitive, I'm sure he knows that it's going to be a tough uh, out for anybody, and he's going to have his hands full. But, man, I, I – I, yeah, maybe because I'm not an elite-level athlete or fighter, I keep looking at this and thinking, shit, does, does he does he understand fully, really? Like – I mean, let me let me read to you some some names. Okay, first of all, I need to put out that Davison Figueredo is five foot five inches tall. Okay, five foot five. All right. Aljamain Sterling reigns supreme at the top. Pretty tall guy. Sean O'Malley sits in the number one spot, also a tall guy. Piotr Jan sits in the next spot. Now, Piotr Jan isn't that tall. I believe he's five six. Maybe mm-hmm. five seven. The Maybe. ideal and sexiest height, yes. Exactly. For Bantamweight, I think that is. Then you have Marab Devalishvili, again, five six, five seven. Marlon Vera, I believe, is five eight or five nine. Oh really? Corey huh. Sandhagen. Hmm. You see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. 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 So I mean, Rob Font. Dominic Cruz sits in number seven, and I think that would be the ideal entry fight for him. Mm. Sonia Dong sits in number eight. You could easily pair him up with Sonia Dong or a Pedro Munoz. Mm. Or Ricky Simone, who sits in number 10. Here's where it gets real interesting, Victor. Guess who sits in number 11? Uh, well, I mean, I could check, but I'd rather listen to you tell me. I'm going to tell you, and I want to hear your reaction. Number uh-huh. 11 now features Umar Nurmagomedov. Loud gasp. Oh, no. Yes. That's yeah, what I, I thought right there. That mm. guy could take out Davison Figueredo. Okay. So if they want to be nice, mm-hmm. they're going to probably give Davison a fight with Dominic Cruz, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think given what we one. just saw with the Shogun matchup, 
the way they tried to do Nate Diaz is dirty. Like, I don't want to see that, but you know, because it, it's not, yeah, like, this is not the kind of matchup that, that Dominic Cruz should be getting, but eh, you know, you just mentioned that when they pay you a certain amount of money, they want to see you fight a certain caliber of guy. Mm-hmm. And that's where this whole thing becomes a, a bit of a problem. But then again, they could play that same card and and play it against uh, Figueroa, right? Like, oh, you want the big bucks? Cool. Come on in. We got this new guy we want you to talk to, this guy, Umar. And um, yikes. Yeah. And that's exactly what I thought. Or the only other semi-soft touch that they could give would be Rob Font. That's your soft touch. That's it. That's semi, a division. Yes. Semi soft touch. <laughs> because you can't touch. put him in against a Song Yadong because the name value is not enough. That's a number eight. Because yeah. Song Yadong would be an ideal opponent too, but I don't know that the name value warrants it, his his big buzz because you know they're going to make a big deal when he comes over. They First have time. to. That's that's a exactly. good. That's that's smart marketing. They have to. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm thinking. That it would need to be a Dom Cruz, a Rob Font, anything higher than that, I worry. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, and and we all should be for his sake because, I, mean, I yeah. But then we like, have it's an a, we have Adrian Yanez at thirteen, but Adrian Yanez is a killer too. I mean, and I do. Yeah, and then you have at number fourteen. Are you ready for this, Saeed mm-hmm. Nurmagomedov? So we have two. Nurmagomedovs in the top 15 here. This is like the Dave Chappelle sketch, the three Daves. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then he's like, you can't get a job. And he's like, who would they pass me over for? Wayne's brothers. There's more of them? How many? Like, it's it's that kind of feeling right now. Like, God damn it, more Nurmagomedovs. Uh, you know, at some point, for all the points that we're raising, but at some level, he knows he's going to have to fight all those guys anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, I, it, there's only so much protecting you can do he knows he's going into the fire but what choice does he have he's not going to go up the featherweight i think the 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 best option is to let him fight dom cruz that's a good litmus test because dom cruz isn't completely washed and he's got enough veteran savvy and enough tricks in the tank to you know provide us a, a good test and if he mows down dom cruz absolutely give him rob font next and then just move him on up you know if he proves himself to be able to hang but you know brandon moreno just beat him at 125 yeah so i'm looking at that and i'm thinking you know your best choice probably should have been to just sit down at 125 since you waited so goddamn long to make this jump i'm i'm curious to know if like what what does this look like is we saw how conor mcgregor going up to lightweight his power didn't quite translate the same his mobility and the advantages that he was that he had previously didn't quite work out frankie edgar had his advantages nullified as he went down right because usually he had what he had his speed and he had his movement Mm -hmm. now you have guys that you're giving up size to them and they're just as fast and just as accurate as you are uh, that becomes a series of, of concerns in themselves. So I'm, I'm wondering if that or how that's going to manifest itself with Figueredo, because obviously he's not going to fight the same way. Yeah. He's going to face certain struggles. And I, I, I'm curious to see how that goes. I mean, just think of a fight with him and Merab Devalishvili. Yoish. Jesus. No, that's, I mean, that's number three. Mm-hmm. Shit. No, thanks. 
I'm yeah. looking at this and I'm thinking he should just stay where he's at, especially this late in his career. Because I don't, yeah, I mean, does it can his body in, handle that? Well, maybe he shouldn't be blowing so uh, blowing up so big. I don't know. Honestly, I I don't know what to do with him right now. Yeah, I mean, look, Aldo figured it out late, but he figured it out. Yeah. You know, stay closer to to his fight weight. You know that that was. Some some people just have an adjustment period for it. I don't know how much mm-hmm. weight actually cutting in the end. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there's there's got to be something. I I don't I don't know. I I just I just worry that more so than is 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 possible list of opponents. Yeah. It's really more a matter of like how is this dude? Is he gonna make it to like his fifty? And what condition are his kidneys gonna be in? You know, I don't want to see him end up in a situation like when Rumble Johnson failed to make weight at middleweight. And these are the unfortunate factors that we have to consider, though. He's in a very precarious situation. He's caught between a rock and a hard place, really. Mm, Yeah. Let's look at Gilbert Burns putting on literally a flawless performance against Neil Magny. Wow. Hmm. I mean, and I love Cabbage Patch Kid Hair Gilbert Burns. Oh my God, okay. it's adorable. No. no, no. See, I'm not going to let you get away with this. We need to address this, my man Gilbert. Number one, I don't really like the fact if you're going to look that Dominican, you can't have your hairline looking like Steve Harvey's fingernail. All right, we need to do something about this. You know, you you need something. You need some something has got to change. Something needs to be adjusted. I, I I don't. You can't open a barbershop looking like that, man. That's that's not you violating some kind I of code. I loved man. it. It's so cute. No, 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 no. Don't change it. He, he got to fix it. One. He just got to fix it up a little. That's all I'm saying. I, I love that curly hair. It's great. <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying it's it's the shape. He's got to he's got to he's got to fix up the front. He can't. That hairline is not. <laughs> he seems like he stole some of Neil Magny's hairline. Did you notice that? I, oh my god, Neil Magny's hair that's is. Right. Mm. That hurts my feelings. I know. Here's the thing. Neil Magny looks great against guys that don't fight like Gilbert Burns, that aren't aggressive grapplers. Because aggressive grapplers that are willing to take it to him, he cannot defend. That was his seventh submission loss. It's hard to look good against Magny, but it's also hard to look good against Gilbert. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. You're, you, you're looking at a guy who's got such a pronounced grappling advantage. There's only so much you can do, man. Magny did his best. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how many other guys Gilbert isn't capable of doing that to. Yeah. So I, I, I just kind of feel like I, I'll, you, you got to let Magny cook on that one. Like, hey, man, shit, just you know, yeah, bad day at the office. It happens. Yeah. You got to trip, trip down to Brazil out of it. Have what, fun. I mean, what do you want to see happen with Gilbert, though? Oh, boy. Well, see, all right. So when it comes to that, if we are to look at what is... Um, Hamzat's moving up from what I hear. Well, I... And that's kind of a mess, too, because he built the bulk of his uh, of his, his, his curriculum, his, 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 uh, his pedigree at welterweight. So I don't know if they're planning on hot-shotting him to a middleweight shot right away, but... Why uh, not? Look, I mean, that division is trash. It's as much good. trash as light heavyweight and heavyweight are. Although I feel like the prospects at heavyweight are actually not too bad right now. There's some good fresh meat in there that's putting on great performances. 
Let me ask you something. Is Colby Covington doing anything? Is he still is he, he still is trying to get his teeth fixed? And Gilbert made the perfect call out with him. But what Gil- Colby, uh, excuse me, what Colby is doing is he's running the poker tables. He's making money hand over fist over there. He apparently has a real knack for poker. Well, I mean, you I know, mean, he's, he's not a great bullshitter, but I mean, I guess it <laughs> maybe he found a way to work on it. Hey, that. he's winning $50,000 pots, big pots. He's been running shit over there in Vegas. Okay, then. Well, you know what, man? Good for him. Good for him. Anybody who's making money out there without getting punched in the face, I applaud that, especially if I don't have to hear from that guy again. <laughs> That's beautiful. I'm good with it. I mean, I consider Heath Herring to have been something of a loss. But this, everybody wins. <laughs> Man, seriously, this is my favorite. See, this is my kind of haterism. You understand? I want you to do so well that you're out of my line of sight for the yeah, rest of our that's lives. good haterism to have, though. Right, that's positive. That's what I'm bringing in 2023, baby. Positive haterism. That's right. <laughs> All right. Jessica Andrade and Lauren Murphy. I have a bone to pick with Lauren Murphy's entire corner, including her husband, Joe Murphy, who was in her corner. He was the tall, slender guy with all the tattoos and the wavy hair. That is Joe Murphy, her husband. And how anyone, husband or otherwise, in that corner could look at her when she came back from round two And send her back out there in round three. And this has nothing to do with her being a woman. Because I frequently call for corners to call a halt to it. But this might be one of the very few times I've ever called for a female fight to be stopped. But this one was especially egregious. Lauren took 161 significant shots to the head. Now, for comparison... When Joanna and, and Zhang Weili fought and Joanna had that enormous, enormous hematoma on her head, the two of them over the course of five rounds together only took 192 punches. That's combined over two more rounds. Warren Murphy absorbed 161 of those absolute hammers that Jessica was throwing at her over just three rounds. Yeah, that was a heartbreaker, man. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt so bad because, you know, again, like I've said this many times, you know, Lauren, I, I've been happy to see her progression, happy to see, you know, how far she's come from someone who didn't have a shot to, like, invict a champion, made it to the UFC. And, you know, some people thought she didn't belong, but she's had some quality wins. She's had some yes. some, some good moments. Yes. What? It's like, you know, when you see stuff like this and you go, you know, it, it, it's you, you feel for someone because I am familiar with her story. I've seen what she's been able to do, what she's come from and how capable she is. You know, this was a bad matchup from the outset for her. And stylistically, it was a problem, as we saw. But then what we kept seeing as it went on, like, all right, it starts off. She's showing a little bit of movement, you know, she's giving some, taking some, she's kind of sussing things out, but then somewhere along the line, she just sort of lost that thread. Jessica started getting better reads on it, and that was it. That was that was all you had to see and know, and that that sucks, man. You don't want to see people get beat up that badly and then continue to go out and get beat up even worse with no 
with no remedy when it ceases to be fair and and it ceases to be um competitive at all yes 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 exactly when it ceases to look competitive you know not all shit kickings are made equal man this is this is like you know we don't we don't need to do this but she was fighting back enough for the ref to not stop the fight in most points I just and that is why I I have such an issue with the corner, and yeah. and here's the thing for for those of you out there that might not have considered this, CTE is not particular. It doesn't care if you're a man or a woman. If your right. brain is getting jangled around in there and slamming into the sides of your skull like a fucking slushy. It doesn't care if you're male or female as long as the brain is in there taking damage. That's what CTE likes. Damage to the brain. So for the corner, for the husband, because Lauren has a kid. Do you know? She's got two kids, I think. Oh, does she? I I know that there's uh, uh, one. I didn't know if there was uh, another. But if she Mm. has more than one, one, it doesn't matter. If she has none, I'm sure later in life, she wants to be able to remember her husband's name. Mm-hmm. Now that's harsh, but Lauren is frequently involved in these long drawn out battles. She is, I believe, 39 or 40. No. Let me look that up real quick. I'm almost positive she's already 40, though. I think so. Yeah, she's I think it was, I think she might have. She will be 40 this July. So yeah, exactly. she's just, you know, six months removed because she will be uh on July 27th. So we're looking at about six months away from Lauren being 40 years old and taking a beating like that, taking a beating like the one she took from Valentina this late in her career. This is not good. After a weight cut, you know, she's one day removed from a weight cut. And then she's getting a beating like that. There is a lot of factors that should be considered in that corner the next time she fights especially if it's it's if it starts looking like this yeah and that's just but that's a tough thing about it right like you know they they booked the fight she earned the spot to be there she earned the opportunity to to be in a situation where she's fighting a top contender and that's you know you don't you can't knock that but still man still like shit what do you do how do you solve this problem i don't know what the solution is Exactly. I, I, well, better, better cornering. I mean, the referee kind of was doing what they had. I mean, they, they did what they could. But, I mean, does it come down to the corner? I'd imagine so. Yeah. It, it must be. And I think you're absolutely right. That is That was pretty, uh, that was pretty atrocious. Yeah. All right. We're going to sort of buzz off through the rest of these uh, time constraints. Johnny Walker looked excellent against Paul Craig. I told you guys. Mm-hmm. I told you guys that that power was the difference maker. And Johnny hasn't looked too bad lately. I know that he's fought much more cautiously because of the losses, but it was nice to see him uncork that. So um, that was a good win. It doesn't really set Paul Craig too far back though, because the division again is in shambles. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Ihor Poteria defeating Uh, Shogun. Okay. First of all, man, that was sad. Children should not have been out there. No. Uh, people were wrongfully assuming that Igor Ihor's little dance was um, 
disrespectful but actually when if you watch the post-fight presser he explained his dance it's a dance that he does at the end of every one of his fight because he is a recreational duelist you know pistols and so what he did was instead of doing what he normally does when he beats someone when he's uh, in a fight or in a duel he normally would point the gun at the, his finger guns and and shoot them dead but he didn't this time. What he did was he did his little dance and he pointed his gun at the sky. And he said he did that out of respect that he normally points it at his fallen foes. So a lot of people got really upset about that. And I I was one of those people. But when I saw this at the end, you know, I, I, I'm willing to let it slide now because he, I think a lot of it had to do with the frenetic energy at that stadium too. My goodness, that arena was just, whoo. It was scary when Brandon Marino was leaving and they were throwing everything they had in their hands at him. I ain't, I ain't mad at Ehor for that, man. Dude went in there, he did what he had to do. He won his fight. That should have never been booked. That was disgusting. Exactly. That was that was another, another low-class-ass move. Like, there's just no reason a man on his way out to be fighting a young guy who's mm-hmm. coming up like that it yeah. just doesn't need there it's light heavyweight yeah. you're not going to tell me that there's a, a dearth of options for him to fight on his way out it did not need there you don't you don't put him in there with a guy who could be potentially in the top five mm-hmm. by this time next year it's yeah. just gross yep bruno ferreira yeah. made an amazing debut oh my god the who has stopped gregory rodriguez like that it, I mean, wow! He put he put RoboCop in the dirt. You know what? I felt so bad for that dude, RoboCop. I mean, I you know here's here's a guy, one of the most exciting middleweight prospects we've seen in a very long time. Super probably sweet. Since, probably since Izzy or, or or since Alex. You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that Alex really would be a prospect in the proper sense, but. Because you know he 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 did come over from another sport and he did have like that aura. So he's a different he was a different kind or a different level prospect. We're talking about like a a raw dude who came up from from the gutter is strictly in MMA and hasn't really been toiling around yeah. uh, in 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 the games of of other like no this is a dude who's like just basically came in from fighting bobos and all this other stuff and then it's like holy shit this dude is he can crack he's skilled he's doing a lot of the right things and. Uh, he yeah, fought a I mean, big guy. What I liked was he fought a big guy very smartly. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, no. Gregory was much bigger than him, had a good, probably a head taller than him. And he fought that big dude exactly the way he was supposed to. And uh, Gregory, it was kind of sad for me because I follow that dude and he is constantly, he is so enamored of being a father. He constantly posts pictures of his baby and it's so cute. I mean, he just loves being a dad. I think that's his greatest achievement in life. And that's, you know, solidarity, man. That's why it kills me. That's why it breaks me up seeing him, you know, go out there. Not only that, he's funny as shit. You know, when he got that, the violent Obama moniker, that was that was great. <laughs> he does kind of look like Obama a little bit in the face. <laughs> but man, shit, it, it's, I mean, he'll get back in the saddle. Hopefully he'll grow and he'll learn. I hope this ain't the end of his progression. I hope this isn't one of those things where like he gets gun shy or, mm. you know, now he's going to uh, change his style in a way that will uh, uh, stunt his, his growth and, and not allow him to have the career that one would hope he, a guy like that would have. All right. 
Uh, Tiago Moises turned in a great performance, got the the rear naked choke over Milk Isel, uh Costa. Uh, that was a nice performance. Uh, we expected it, so no no uh, surprise there. Then we get to Munir Laze mm. and Gabriel Bonfim. Wow. Gabriel yeah. Bonfim. Listen, I know he was a little janky in the beginning of that fight. I think it was because he was so excited to be in the UFC. But that was a nice performance. It really was. Yeah, it was. And to do it against Munir, who's not a pushover. Munir's a pretty tough dude who, you know, again, some of these guys, they don't have as big a name. They just, you know, they're coming in off contender series. And, you know, the, the grinder and the jumble of names, it's easy to forget and, and maybe not recognize. So he's he's a really... Uh, talented prospect who's still putting things together. So that was more impressive to me. I, I nerded out pretty heavy when I saw that. Like, yo, he, that's that was that's a, a really um, that's a really impressive guy to do that to. Mm-hmm. Jailton Almeida looking like the absolute killer that he is once again. Just he just golly he ragdolled Shamil he he sunned him just there was never an opportunity for Shamil to ever mount a comeback ever that he was he was done the moment he stepped in that cage I knew it he hit him with that um he hit him with that Bill Duke line you know you know you fucked up right (laughs) (laughs) Dialton is another guy much like Gregory high expectations out of him man that guy and he is. fights at 205 as well. So we could always send him down to shake up 205. I mean, he was fighting at 205 just last year. Hey, man, shit. Maybe he'll be fighting John Jones soon. We could we could always John hope Jones, that... John Jones, wait, John Jones is going to heavyweight, right? Yes, it's already been made. Oh, are, are you are you sure? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Gileton can go... Um, 205 or 265 and man the 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 sky's the limit I, he's he's beyond prospect now i mean i i'm i'm considering this guy contender yeah especially at heavyweight too mhm mm-hmm. cody stamen took the unanimous decision against luan lacerda i watched this fight i I kind of felt like Lacerda won it, but it was so close that I wouldn't call it a robbery. But I do disagree with the decision. I feel like Lacerda won that fight. Mm, I kind of had Stamen based off mostly damage. I I don't think he did a whole lot of damage, though. I think that a lot of it wasn't really impactful. But, I mean, again, I've only watched it the one time, and I was definitely side-eyeing this fight while I was doing something else. So I could have missed a lot of the things that you saw. Yeah, it could be that. I mean, it's it's a good win for Stamen, although I was a little um, confused why this matchup was happening. Like, are they high on Lacerda or not as high on Stamen? It seemed like he was not necessarily a step back, but, I mean, I guess kind of a step back in a way. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's weird he's fighting this guy. I would have expected him to be fighting, I don't know, maybe a more recognizable name. Hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Ismael Bonfim certainly made his debut as fun as his brother. And boy, he, we have our first contender of the year for knockout of the year right here. Uh, the way that knee landed and just face planted Terrence McKinney. Whoo, man. 
Yeah, I was very worried for Terrence off of that, man. I mean, it's it's cool that he got the Twitter right like right away <laughs> uh, to let us know he was doing all right. But yeah, man, that was a scary one. Shit. Yeah. Good for Von Fame, though. Yeah, the Von Fame brothers have my undivided attention. Between them and the Basharad brothers, mm-hmm. we're seeing something amazing happen here. A lot of a lot of a lot of troublesome brothers here. God Even of the days of the Guidas. We have yeah. yet to see a pair of brothers outside of these two, but we have yet to see a pair of brothers that were pretty much um, equal in their skill. Like, you know, you have Matt Hughes and his brother, but his brother was terrible. Yeah, you know, well, Jim Miller I mean, and his older and his brother. You know, now, his brother wasn't terrible, but he wasn't UFC caliber. So, of course, he was let go. But we've seen a lot of brothers. I It's been since I would say Sergio and Anthony Pettis that we've seen two uh, comparable brothers. You know what I mean? Where that they yeah. both are uh, having measured, you know, measured amounts of success. Yeah, measurable. Yeah. Excuse me, not measured. Measurable amounts amounts of success. Excuse me. Well, I think you're right. I mean, it's it's not very often that you see these two guys that come in and they're like, "Yo, they're they're doing they're they're making a lot of noise," uh, and doing it so early yeah. uh, in different divisions like that. So uh, yeah, it could I be mean, that. we have Gilbert Burns, but his brother doesn't measure up to him. We have. Um, Oh, what's his name? Diego and uh, his brother from uh, Bellator, the the welterweight. Diego Lima? Yes, Diego Lima and um, Doug Lima. You know, Diego never measured up to Doug. You know, it just it just sort of happens that way. But here we have the Basharat brothers and then we have the Bonfim brothers and they're both, you know, each of the brothers are are wrecking shop. And I like seeing that. Yeah, let now, me see if let me see if let me see if Artem Lobov got assisted. Hold up, let me check. No, nah, keep going, keep going. <laughs> Josian Nunes looked pretty damn good against Zara Farron, but Zara Farron is terrible and should not be in the UFC. And I, I don't even think she should be in the sport personally. But she you definitely doesn't have a spot in the UFC. You know what's funny? I'm watching that fight and I'm thinking like Zara's really putting the screws are like early early she was nailing some shots and i'm like why is there no head movement head movement why isn't that happening here Josiane, still very raw yeah but she's still like painfully raw but she has so many gifts so many natural talents that i think with experience maybe an maybe she needs a better team I don't know if that might be i don't know if that's it could be that but is that going to be enough i'm not i think maybe I mean, um, she's still winning. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's take a look at our entry level fight. Daniel Marcos getting that amazing knee to the body knockout in the second round. Great way to kick off the card. You know, straight right. spot done. Another another Peruvian. Yeah. Uh, doing <laughs> doing some uh, some jaw dropping shit. That was. Um, that was that was good, man. That was a smart uh, way to finish the fight. Again, another dude who's very raw in his skill set, but at least like you see the leaning, yeah. right? You see that he's definitely going in the right direction, and he's got some good guidance. Uh, he seems coachable. He's he's got you know a good sense for um, targeting his opponent in the proper ways, spacing himself with and giving himself enough um, enough room with his timing to really. Uh, get in the groove of things and then eventually uncork things when he has to and a great finishing instinct. I love seeing that out of him and I'm really looking forward to seeing Freddie. 
All right. So I promised that we would have a hodgepodge, but because of time restraints, we're going to focus in on one topic and it's going to be fairly quick, but this drew my attention last night because it was announced that the UFC has secured the rights, the broadcasting rights to Abu Dhabi next year. Now, this comes after Flow Wrestling has had the rights for the last three Abu Dhabis. So for the last six years, Flow has had those rights. I mean, this past year, considering the fact that Flow uh, didn't sell just the stream. You couldn't buy just the stream to watch. What you had to do was you had to subscribe to Flow for a year, but you got mm. all of the stuff that they offered and Abu Dhabi. Mm. And it was a big property for them, and they put on a beautiful stream. It's one man, that stream is flawless. It doesn't have hiccups. It doesn't buffer, whatever. They really do have a really great stream. <laughs> but the UFC, they sneaked in there and they took it because it got a lot of buzz this past year. I I didn't even buy the stream. And I got to watch all the fights because so many people were sharing. And Abu Dhabi, to their credit and to the credit of Flo, they weren't, they weren't zinging people for sharing those clips. But you know the UFC will. Yeah, they got a guy outside of my house right now. With a, he's in a van. He's monitoring my internet. He's, friend, yeah, someone uh, tweeted to me last night when I asked how long Flo had had the the streaming rights to it. They explained to me that Flo had had it for the last three Abu Dhabi, so that's six years because Abu Dhabi is every other year. For those of you listening that don't know, it's the most prestigious jujitsu event on the planet. This is the event. All other events lead to this one. And man, I just cannot get over that the UFC, it's the same way they did like um, Spirit and all the little ones. They snatched them all up. They stick them on Fight Pass. And, they, you know, they, they keep boosting their subscribers through this. So now they've got Abu Dhabi to add to their incredible library. And now Flow, and that's what the guy was telling me, you know, this isn't going to break Flow, but it's really going to hurt them. Yeah, it will. ADCC, as you said, right, the most prestigious. I mean, I can't even like it's not even like the World Cup of grappling, but it's it's I mean, it's massive. I don't know that it, it's not an app comparison, but it's it's a good one. It's also and, one of the ones that uh, the prize money is probably the best of all of the um, the worlds and things like that. The Pan Ams, they yeah. all have small prizes, but. Abu Dhabi actually p pays a decent prize pot for for whoever wins in their divisions. Yeah, so um, that is interesting that they got that. I think it also bolsters some of the value for uh, Fight Pass. That unfortunately, it might you know, in my view, in my view, Fight Pass lost a lot of that with this ESPN deal. I mean, you know, like a guy said one time when. Uh, talking about this on twitter I, I can't remember who it was but they were like the fuck i look like paying 15 bucks a month to watch cage warriors now listen i love cage warriors i will defend them a lot for you know putting on some uh, amazing events but i totally understand his sentiment and i absolutely agree i mean it's not for everybody not everybody wants that kind of you know extraneous like invicta's not there anymore you know what are, what are you watching there you got a bunch of boxing they got a lot of great content but is it really something for the day-to-day -day fan um, who isn't maybe as hardcore into this other stuff. It's good to have, but 
it's not you know it, it, there's a lot of this stuff that um not quite ufc which is what people ostensibly were tuning into that's why i got the service that's what i was there for and now it's you know it's just a, a mishmash that i don't really rock with so on that note we are gonna wrap the show do me a favor follow this awesome person right here because he's funny as shit on twitter he's also very um politically minded like he has some of the most interesting posts out there he follows the right people so all of his posts are interesting whether it be a retweet or commenting on something else definitely follow him he is at vic m rodriguez you can also follow him on instagram where he has an incredible feed dedicated mostly to travel and food so if you're a foodie or a travel head this is the guy to follow on instagram and he is victor sinister rodriguez on instagram mookie you can follow him on twitter at mookie alexander and he is the managing editor at sb nation's field goals website so if you're a seahawks fan and you want to commiserate that's where you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Crooklyn MMA, the show at Level Change Pod. We're available on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Level Change Podcast. Uh, Victor and I work for Bloody Elbow, so you can follow our work there. And you can listen to the pre-recorded outro because that will tell you where you can listen to this show and all the other great Bloody Elbow shows. So until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivis Section, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play by Play for every UFC pay per view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at facebook.com slash bloody elbow blog and as always on bloodyelbow.com.